0: We are in the book of Romans again this morning as we continue through our Rooting Through Romans sermon series. This will be part number 39 if you're keeping up with that. I'll title the message Gentiles Grafted In and we're going to look at that and uh, we're going to look at what God's plan is, his future plan for the Israelites and also we're going to talk about uh, the sin of pride for a little bit and... uh, Lord, Lord willing, we'll we'll get through to verse twenty-four for eleven through twenty-four Romans chapter eleven, Romans eleven, starting with verse eleven. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning. The Bible says, "I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid! But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them The riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, The branches were broken off, that I might be graft in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again, for if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word today. Help us now as we try to expound upon this uh, sometimes difficult passage of Scripture to understand. Lord, if you'll open up our hearts and minds to understand it, Lord, give us the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern it, and Lord, we'll give you the honor and praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we pick up here where we left off last week. We looked at the first 10 verses of chapter 11, which spoke greatly about uh, the, the Israelites, of course, the chapters 9, 10, 11, on through 12. they are all focusing really upon Israel and what God's plan is for them and What he's done to them and and, uh, chastening them, really. And that's what this is about, it's chastening, by the way, what God's doing to the Israelites or Jews. We call them Jews nowadays. You rarely hear anybody called an Israelite. But if you are a true Jew, then you're a descendant of Israel and uh, you could still be called an Israelite. Uh, People that's converted over into Judaism from Christianity would not be considered an Israelite uh but paul here is speaking to really both classes of people both the israelites and the gentiles and he's going he shows a difference here and he tells what god's done with one of them what he's doing with the other and then we won't be able to get into it today but the the look at what's going to happen eventually with the israelites and uh the question at the beginning of this chapter is god given up i mean is that it for us as jews as israelites uh, has he broken his promises have uh, since we've not accepted the gospel and this Jesus Christ does that mean we've been separated from God forever and he's replaced us with the Gentiles? Is that what's going on? Paul says no that's not it God forbid no and then again the same thing he opens up here again with this question that they would ask Romans 11:11 11, 11. I say then have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to, uh, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So again, Paul uses this same tried-true method he always does of this asking a question and then answering it. This is the best way to get through to people, uh, that have these types of questions. And of course, they would when they hear this teaching. They've not heard this kind of teaching before. This is brand new to most of these Israelites. As Paul comes in, we know what his his manner was. He would come into a city, and the first place he would go was to a Jewish synagogue. And he'd start preaching and teaching the gospel. Some would believe, but most of them would uh, rebel against it. Uh, They always wanted to run him off and stone him to death and beat him and cause riots and everything else. And so this is all new to their ears, what Paul's telling them. And so naturally they've got questions. Uh, We would too. Uh, So... When they say, have they stumbled, that they should fall. And by fall, he means to be cut off by God permanently. is what he's meaning there. Rejected as God's people. No longer God's people. And so his answer is the same as before. God forbid. May it never be. Don't think such a thing. God will never give up his people. He'll never do it. He'll always have, as we've said in the last time and many times before, a remnant God will always have a remnant. It may look like the whole world is against God, and this world we live in today, it almost seems that way. Certainly, the news media is against God. Uh, the the White House is against God. All these people are against the Lord, and it seems like we sometimes we get you know like Elijah, and we say, Lord, are we the only Christians left in this world? You know, we look it out at the news headlines and and watch the news, and we say, Oh my goodness, we're you know we're the last of them. But God will always have a remnant. We may not know about it, just like Elijah didn't know about those that God had there uh, that he saved that were obedient to him. And so uh, he is not going to reject his people. That's not the end. They have not stumbled into a complete fall. Uh, And it says, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So. Paul explains here that God has purposely, and we talked about this last time, blinded the Jew. The Jew is blind to salvation and the truth of the gospel because they rejected it. When Christ came here to this earth over 2,000 years ago, and he came unto his own, his own received him not, they rejected him as their Messiah, and so he blinded them. And so, not, But not all of them. All, some have the lie. Some come to the lie. Some understand the gospel and believe. Uh, but most of them, uh, Israel as a whole, as a nation, has rejected the Lord Jesus as Messiah. They're still looking for somebody else. Uh, you can go over to, to Israel right now and talk to uh, Jews that live over there. And they're still looking for Messiah to come, but it's not the Lord Jesus Christ. It, they're looking for somebody else. And it's a sad thing considering the Lord Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that their prophets prophesied. And so Paul explains here that God purposely blinded the Jews and offered salvation unto the Gentile. And he's going to use that to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Now, when we think of jealousy, we think of something bad, something terrible. You know, oh, I'm so jealous. That guy's so jealous. You know, and, uh, things like that. But when what this is meaning is that God is using this situation. The Jews will see what the Gentiles have in their salvation. The joy, the glory, all the benefits of salvation of believing and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. They're going to see that and they're going to long to have the same thing. And it's going to provoke them to then seek after the gospel. So while the the Jews began as a light unto the Gentiles, the Gentiles now is going to become a light unto the Jew. And so they're going to be provoked to jealousy because of what has happened to the Gentiles. And uh, Paul is delighted about this because he sees this as an opportunity for his fellow Jews to be, be saved. And so this is a quote, actually, uh, what Paul's talking about, this uh, provoking with jealousy from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy thirty two twenty one. the Bible says, They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I'll provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. And so, again, that right there is an insight of what God was doing, even in Deuteronomy, uh, about the Gentiles with his people. His people were uh, bowing down to other gods, and he said, well, you know what, I'm going to use these people who are not a people. They're not even a godly people, but I'm going to use them, provoke you to jealousy, so you'll turn to me and be obedient. And so it's the same thing that Paul's talking about. Now, does this mean that God only offered salvation to the Gentile, us, to make his to make Israel jealous, to make them turn to him? Is that the only reason that we can be saved? Well, certainly not. It was not the sole purpose. His plan included the Gentile all along. Well, we can go back in the Old Testament look at many places. I'm going to give you a few from Isaiah where it's prophesied that he was going to bring salvation to the Gentile. And so, let me read a few of these. Isaiah 11 and 10. The Bible says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Now, we all know the a root of Jesse, and, and we've got David, King David, and, of course, the Lord Jesus comes from that bloodline, the royal bloodline. And so it's pointing toward him. Isaiah 42 and 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. Isaiah 49, 6, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. That thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So his plan, even back in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied, he says, You know what? God's going to use you, Jews, Israelites, as a light unto the Gentiles to bring them to salvation. He said, And this was going to be unto the end of the earth. And so the whole world is going to benefit from what God's doing with the Gentile. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So God wasn't just offering uh only offering salvation to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous or to turn to him. But he's using that situation for that purpose. God can take anything and use it for his glory, for his good, for his will. He does that all the time with us. We do things, we sin, we mess up. And that was not God's will that we sinned or that we committed whatever thing we did. It wasn't his will that we did that. He didn't cause us to do it. But when we did it, then he can take that situation, turn it around and use it for his glory somehow. Whatever it may be. A man that commits an awful crime and goes to jail. God didn't cause him to commit that crime. But he can use that crime when that man gets in jail to to glorify himself. By that man being a witness. That man could get saved. That man could hear the, the gospel, get saved. In prison. May not have ever been reached out on the street doing whatever he was doing. And so God can use any bad situation, any sinful situation for his own glory. But don't ever think that God causes sinful acts to happen to do that. He just uses those occasions to fulfill His purpose. So, we uh, you know we aren't going to go around uh, making uh, people jealous, you know, over what we have. God wasn't offered a salvation to the Gentiles to make the Israelites jealous. So we can't go around flaunting the faces of the Jew and say, well, you know what, you really messed up. Your God left you, forsook you, and He came to us, and we have all the glory and the benefits. We're going to see heaven one day, you know. And you, you know, you've just done it. We're not to do that. Um, Look at verse twelve, vertex there, Romans eleven and twelve. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Now, don't let this verse confuse you. I wrote this out in a way that where my mind figured it out and comprehended it. Let me read you what I wrote down. You could think of it this way. Now, if the fall of the Israelites bring riches of salvation to the world, and if the diminishing of the Israelites bring riches of salvation to the Gentiles, just think of how much more the fullness of Israel's future glory will be when their eyes are opened and they receive salvation. So that's the thought behind it. God is saying here, if what's happened to them causes riches to the world. Now, when he says riches, he don't mean monetary things, gold, silver, and all that thing. Riches means riches in him, spiritual richness, and to the whole world. What does the Bible saying? in John three sixteen. For God so loved the who? World. And so if what's happened to the Jew causes the world to benefit, the, get the riches then it's a great thing. And he says, and if the diminishing of them brings riches to the Gentiles, meaning the Gentiles now are coming to the light because of this, then just imagine how this is going to benefit the Jew in the end when God fulfills everything that he, he's he got in store for them. It's going to be miraculous. And so Israel at this time is being chastened by God. They're stumbling but they will not completely fall. They will never be completely out of, of God's mind. Uh, there will be a time in the future when God will once again bless them. Their eyes will be opened. And it's going to be a glorious and wonderful time for them. Uh, that, you know, we talk about the tribulation and people, you know, they come out like the, out of the woodwork and out from under rocks. Anytime you start to mention Revelation or the end of times or anything like that, people just want to hear it, you know. Um You know, we all like to to understand what things are going to happen in the future. But don't make it to where that uh, takes place of the glory of God and the riches of Christ. Don't dwell upon the end of times and the Antichrist. Too many people are more interested in the Antichrist than they are the real Christ. And so be very careful with that. When you're talking about the end of times, prophecy and revelation, you can fill up a whole church building if you, you start teaching those things. Every time I start teaching one of those uh, uh, series on, on the book of Revelation, people do, they love it, man. I get tons of people listening to it. But uh, there, there is going to be a time in the, in the end, in the future, we, we talk about the tribulation, the great tribulation. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is Israel. It's not the time of the church's trouble. There's people today that will try to make you believe the church is going to go through the tribulation period. That's not found in the Bible. Nowhere. Uh, From all indications in the Bible, you get to Revelation chapter 4 and the church gets raptured out of here. It's it's no longer appearing in the the text until we come back with Christ when he comes in on a white horse and we come in behind him. And so the church gets raptured out before the tribulation period starts. There'll be three and a half years of so-called peace. It's a It's a fake peace, uh, where the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and try to uh, have world peace, and it's going to look like everything's working the way that you know they want it to, and they're going to look to him as some kind of savior, this Antichrist, and he's going to be friends with the Jews, let them rebuild their temple, and start their sacrifices, and it's going to look like he's the greatest friend in the world, and then after that three and a half years of false peace, he's going to reveal who he truly is. He hates the Jews. And he's going to try to exterminate the Jew. And that is that time, that great tribulation, that last three and a half years where heavy persecution is going to come upon the Jew. And uh, they're going to be running and hiding. It's going to be awful. But the true believer in Christ will get saved during that time, those Jews. There will be 144,000 of those Jews that God separates to be evangelists that will go around evangelizing the world. And many will come to Christ. And by the way, they get saved through the gospel. Don't let anybody tell you that a Jew and a Gentile get saved a different way. We all get saved the same way, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the gospel, through his shed blood. There's some people today who say, well, now God saved people in different ways and different dispensations. No, it's always been through Jesus. It don't matter what dispensation they've been in. It's all through the future, uh, the Jew in the past in the Old Testament was, was saved through the future work of Christ on the cross. He didn't save them because they kept the law, because none of them could do it. <laughs> so it's all been about faith in Christ, faith in the Messiah. They didn't call him Christ in the, in the Old Testament. The Jew didn't call him that. They called him Messiah. And so uh, the Jew gets saved the same way as the Gentile. They'll get saved the same way in the tribulation period by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so um, not only is salvation brought to the Gentiles, but in the end, the Jews, like I said, will bring great joy to the world by, like I said, the 144,000, the tribes of Israel, which God's going to cause to go out and preach the gospel. And this is going to be a blessing to the entire world. They will be people in the tribulation period time that will get saved. They will. Don't think, though, that you can be Convicted right now, before that happens, not accept Christ, die or or not die, but go into the tribulation period and get saved in that time. That that's not how it works. Uh, and so, don't ever think that if you don't believe now, you're not going to believe then. And so, uh, Paul turns his attention now in verse thirteen toward the Gentile. This whole time he's been focused on the on the Jew on the Israelites. But now he has to say something to the Gentiles because they're naturally going to have questions. And they may also be getting something like pride now because of this. Look at it. Verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Now Paul don't mean he can save them. It means that through the things that's happening here, he can preach the gospel unto the Gentiles and it will provoke to emulation, the, the Jew will want to emulate what the Gentiles have. And he says, I magnify my office. I am glad to be an apostle to the Gentiles. God appointed me to be such. And so when I'm I'm focusing upon the Jew, you need to remember, I am still your apostle but I'm still wanting my fellow Jew to be saved. And if this is what it takes and what it means, then, then that's that's great. So Paul wants the Gentiles to know he is truly a called apostle uh, to them. And he's thankful for it. it mag- he magnifies his office this way. And he's excited about his work in the Gentile, uh, hoping that the unbelieving Jew is going to come to Christ. Now, we know that Paul, despite being a... Um, uh, an apostle of the Gentile. Like we said at the beginning of this message, his first place he always went was to the Jewish synagogue. Um his, his heart's desire, you remember we studied this. Paul so much wanted the his fellow Jew to be saved, he was willing himself to be to be cursed uh, if they could be saved. But um, so he always went to these Jewish synagogues to preach the gospel. And he did everything in his power to reach them first. Of course, most of them would reject the gospel. And so Paul would move on. He'd dust the dirt off his feet and move on to the Gentile. Many of the Gentiles received Christ. There were some of the Jews. So not all the Jews were blinded to, uh, to the gospel. Verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? but life from the dead. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. we we'll stop right there a second. Paul moves to this analogy of the olive tree again. We talked about it a little bit last Sunday. The olive tree represents Israel. Israel Is seen as a as a magnificent olive tree that produces olives, which is they that sustains their lives. They they get their oil, they get their um, uh, light, they get uh, so many things from these olives. And that area of the world was known as the greatest place to have olive trees. Everywhere you went, there were some. And so that's when God was blessing them. The olive trees were, were were magnificent. They were huge. They were. They were weighed down with the fruit. And so the Bible often refers to Israel as an olive tree. Now, he says some of the natural branches, the natural branches are Jews. So the root, he said, was holy. And so if the root's holy, then that means everything connected to it is going to be holy. And so some of those branches, he said, were broken off. Why were they broken off? These were the unbelieving Jews. Those that did not believe in Christ were broke off of that olive tree. Now this is all symbology. So, you know, there's not some tree out there that's got Jews growing out of it and they get broke off like a limb. <laughs> so this is all an analogy that Paul makes here. So these Jews, that the natural branches, were broken off because they were unbelieving. And then he says that... Uh, The the branches of a wild olive tree. The wild olive tree represents the Gentile. Those that were not of this holy tree. Of the holy roots. Of the lump. Of the holy lump. And so this wild olive tree. These these branches were grafted in to the holy one. The uh, the great olive tree. uh, Where the natural branches used to be. And so what this means grafted in. My dad used to uh, grow fruit trees. Uh, every now and then a limb would get broken off and he would go out there and he would grab that limb back into the tree. Uh, He would take his knife and he would cut it a certain way and stick it into the branch and he would wrap this kind of teflon tape around it and eventually that, that branch would start growing out of that tree again and that was a natural branch. Now I never saw him snap a limb off one tree and go over and put it in another one. Maybe he tried it, I don't know, but Some people do that. You can graft limbs onto trees. Um, What's the word? S C I O N. How do you say that? Sign? Um, uh, The little bitty thing that starts growing as a branch. You can take those things and you can cut a notch in a tree and and take that sign and stick it down in there. And uh, it can grow, start growing off that tree. Where does it get its nutrients from? The tree. It didn't bring its own nutrients. It don't have any. It has to get it from the root of the tree. And the roots are the one that brings the water and it draws up the nutrients and it comes up through the root system and into the branches. And that's how they grow. And, of course, sunlight has something to do with that as well and soil. But uh, you can graft things on. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here. He says that these uh, are partakers of the root and fatness of the tree. So you Gentiles, which weren't even the people unholy people God has blessed you and he has grafted you onto this wild olive tree which is holy and therefore if it's holy and you've been grafted on you have become holy because they are believers now he didn't graft on unbelievers of Gentiles believers grafted on that's us if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved today you've been grafted on to that holy tree I am holy, therefore ye be holy, the Bible says. Because we're a branch of Christ. And so, uh, verse 18, Paul says, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear." For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shall be cut off. So here Paul's cautioning the Gentile not to go around being prideful and boastful about what God's done for them. Uh, It's almost as if they're looking like he said there uh, in, in the verse, you know, well, I you know, he did this for me. He, he broke off those branches so I could be grafted on. Paul says, no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. They got broke off because they were in unbelief, not because you could get grafted on. God used that to graft you on, but that's not the reason he broke them off. He broke them off because they did not believe. And so Paul's warning the Gentiles, don't be high-minded. And if God would break off one of the natural branches off that tree, which was his people, don't think for a minute he won't break you off. And if this is really the way you think and you're boasting and prideful about it, then you probably don't belong grafted on the tree. And God can sure enough take you off. Uh, We too must be careful that we don't allow our spiritual pride to swell up. And it's easy to do. Uh, Things can start going a a certain way, a good way. Maybe in church, maybe your church is, is doing good and growing and and uh lots of activity happening and before you know it you start swelling up you know thinking that maybe i had something to do with this Yeah, i'm the one that's building this church you know uh all this and people get really prideful when it comes to church and religion things like that uh i am glad to be an independent baptist but let me tell you independent baptists are one of the world's worst for being prideful uh we think that, you know, we're the only ones that know the right way. All these other people are crazy. They're not, they don't know the truth. We're independent fundamental Baptists, you know. Can't mess with us. We're God's people. And so we may start to tend to look down on others, you know. I was a Southern Baptist most of my life until becoming an independent Baptist. And back then, I was proud to be a Southern Baptist. I'd be embarrassed to be one today, but. But we can take you know, what we have and we can say, well, we're much better than the Southern Baptists. Look, many of them may not understand what all's going on in that convention. Uh, there's good people in the Southern Baptist Convention. Lots of good godly people. But we've got to be careful that we're not boasting and bragging about what we've got or what we believe or our preferences. That's one of the biggest problems of the Independent Baptists is preferences sometimes override doctrine and theology. And and what's right. You know, we can start measuring him lines and hair lines at the door. I've seen it happen. The church we belong to, the pastor started measuring people up as they walked through the door. It was was his downfall as well. That's what brought him down. Uh, It didn't go over well. And listen, uh, our source of uh, pride over our preferences, you know. Oh, no. He's preaching in a t-shirt and jeans he must not even be saved i know it sounds funny don't it there's people that actually believe like that there's some men that won't let you preach in their church unless you're wearing a, a suit the black suit can't go in a blue suit can't go in a beige suit got to be a black suit a white shirt and a red tie if it's anything else you're not preaching here and so that is a source of pride that's not in the bible That's nothing godly about that and you know we have this attitude if you don't do it our way hit the highway and so we got to be careful that we are not prideful boastful thinking that we're better than everybody else that God has selected us special from everybody else you know? he broke off all the other branches and grafted us on as independent Baptists you know? because the Bible warns us Proverbs 21 4 a high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Proverbs 16, 18-19 Pride goeth before destruction, and the haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly, than to divide the spool with the proud. Listen, there is absolutely no place in, this, uh, in the church for pride. God hates it, and he says so in his word. Listen to this, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things, doth the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that advises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. All right, so the Bible is very clear that pride will bring a man down, that God hates it. He said that's one of the six things he hates, is, is pride, proud look. All right, now look at verse 23 and 24, and we'll be finished here in chapter 11 of Romans. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So, uh, essentially, what Paul's saying here: Okay, don't you go boasting that God has cut them off so He could graft you on? He said, because He'll He'll take you off just as quick as He did them. And don't you think it'd be a lot easier for Him to graft back on His natural branches? It'd be a lot easier. It's always easier to graft on the branches that are natural to the tree instead of breaking off one out of some other tree, some wild tree. You know, what if I went out here and cut a, a notch in, in one of these persimmon trees and I went back in the back and I cut off a limb off the walnut tree, come back up here and try to graft it on to the persimmon tree? Well, it's going to be ridiculous. But I guarantee you if one of these little little shoots start off this persimmon tree and I cut me a notch and I engraft it into that tree, it'll grow uh better than it would if I tried to do a walnut tree. <laughs> and so not only did God graft in the Gentiles, but He is also willing and able to graft back in the Jew. He'll put them branches right back on. All it requires is faith in Christ. Simple. And as soon as they understand their eyes are open, they believe in the Lord Jesus then he'll graft them right back on that tree. Uh, there's not anything that's too hard for God. He can do it all. Uh, we may not be able to graft a, a wild tree into a, another tree, but uh, the Lord can do it. And uh, I'll tell you, it gives you something to think about. God's not through with, with Israel. Nowhere near it. Uh, they're his people. They always will be. He'll always have a remnant. And he's got big plans for them in the future. And uh, it's going to be magnificent. It's going to bring such glory and joy to this entire world of what God's going to do through those people. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, uh, hatred toward the Jew, always has been. Uh, Adolf Hitler tried to wipe them out. Uh, others have tried to wipe them out. Uh, who was it uh, in the book of, uh, uh, what was it, Esther? Um, the Jews, they tried to wipe the Jews out. And so i tell you what, they've been persecuted people, but God loves them, and he's got plans for them. All right, let's go Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. Lord, I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, I, I thank you for telling us the truth, Lord, that we need to watch our pride, Lord, and realize that you have a plan for all. You've got a plan for both the Jew and the Gentile. And Lord, that your plan is that all men should be saved The Bible says that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, we know it's not your will that we perish, but we know that many of us will. Lord, there'll be many that don't believe in you and go to hell. I'm praying today for those individuals right now that are lost. Lord, they've never believed in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Lord, and they're lost and going to hell. Would you convict their heart? Lord, help us be able to reach them. And Lord, may we always give you the glory and honor for everything.